Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Jeff Fedotin with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I are joined by the new voice of the Chiefs, Danon Hughes. Danon, congratulations on becoming the new analyst, the new color guy on the radio for the Chiefs broadcast. That's, that's really awesome. Every yeah. time, uh, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Every time someone mentions that, I feel like I need to talk like this, <laughs> real professional or something. But yeah, I, it's, it's going to be a blast. It's a, truly a blessing uh, to, to be in a booth with Mitch Holtus. And, you know, he goes back to the days with me and Joe playing together. He's been in the booth for 27 years. Wow. Uh, and I get a chance to be a part of that following uh, some great footsteps, some big shoes to fill, uh, and after a Super Bowl. So, I mean, what better time uh, would it be to, to be able to jump in the booth and call games for a team that I've loved since 1993 coming into Kansas City? So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really excited. Uh, it's unfortunate that it doesn't look like we'll have preseason games. So I'll be thrown right in the fire. Uh, Just like you like it, Dana. Just like yeah, you like exactly. it. I step up to the challenge. That's what our our uh, history was as far as athletes. You get thrown in the fire. You do your best. You, you come prepared. And you step up to the challenge. So I'm used to that. And I'm looking forward to it. That's hey. awesome, Dana. Definitely, uh, definite congratulations are in order. Take us through how all this kind of went down. Uh, did you know this was coming? Did you get a call from the Chiefs? Did, did you did go through Clark Hunt or just somebody in, in media with the Chiefs? How'd it go? Uh, you know, it was weird. Um, I was not aware that anything was going to change. I was not aware that the position would be open. In the past, Lenny Dawson was here for 33 years in that role. He's a wow. Hall of Famer on the field and a Hall of Famer uh, off the field as far as a broadcaster is concerned. Then Kendall Gammon was down on the field uh, doing the sideline reporting. He got boosted up to the booth and worked with Mitch for the last three-plus years and did an outstanding job, part of a team that brought a Super Bowl to Kansas City uh, mm -hmm. after 50 years. So. Now I got to go in and I can't screw it up. So oh, uh, stop. You know, I, gotta, I got big shoes to fill. But it, how it unfolded was uh, that they were deciding to make a change. They were changing from 101 to Fox here in Kansas City and coming over to Intercom. Uh, I, it seems like they were wanting to shift and adjust some things in the booth. And literally, I got a call uh, from Intercom saying, hey, Danon, you're in the final two. And I said, final two of what? <laughs> and uh, they were like, oh, well, you know, this is what's happening and what we're looking at doing and some adjustments. And your name keeps coming up. Now, prior to that, I have my own radio show on Intercom here in 610 Sports in Kansas City uh, called Players Only. We do it during the season every Thursday night, 6 to 7 p.m. And it's just us players, me, Sean Barber, Joe Mays, former guys, just chop it up each and every week about football and sports and off the field stuff, Kaepernick, you know, race relations, whatever is the hot topic. So I've had a relationship 
with 610 Sports for many years. I mean, I, I used to fill in for the hosts when they went on vacation or during the holidays. Uh, and then I'm going to call in. I do segments with them each and every week for the Chiefs. So uh, for them to consider me, uh, it, I really appreciate it. And, I, and I, it's just a true blessing. But when they said I was on the final two, that's when I started to ramp things up and put together some some clips of me doing college football, college baseball, college basketball. I did a pregame and postgame show in studio for the Chiefs, as well as for the CBS affiliate here, KCTV5. So I had some DVDs and some other clips to put together, and I sent it in. And a couple of weeks later, they said, hey, we want to offer you the job. So it was wow. just about, at that point, ironing out the logistics and, and getting things going. Then they had... You know, even though that's huge news, they had this other news that they wanted to promote, like this, <laughs> this Patrick Mahomes guy. You know, maybe your viewers and listeners, they don't know that guy because he's not really known around, uh, around the country and in the football <laughs> world. But they wanted to give him some publicity and, and some, you know, minor, min minuscule contract that he signed. Uh, so I allowed them now, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes' information ahead of my uh, coming on the broadcast because that's Joe, you know, that's the kind of guy yeah. I am. And yeah. uh, so well, I allowed that to happen. And then a few days passed and they decided that they wanted disguise to open up and everybody to recognize and embrace me coming onto the broadcast. And about five or six people responded. So uh, I don't know how to take that. Plus, then, being I did so much television, I'm trying to figure out if they think I have a face for radio now. <laughs> uh, you know, so with this, you know, the lighting in my house is bad, so it makes it look like I got gray all in my beard. Yeah, it's all lighting. It's uh, all lighting. Yeah, it's all lighting. You know how it is on set. So, you know, there's a lot of things I got to juggle and I got to deal with, but it's, it's been a very eventful month, I should say. Yeah, for Dana, congratulations, man. And I, I, well, I know it gave you time also to, to get together with Lee Steinberg, right? After he and Patrick put the deal together, so you guys could kind of put this deal together, right? Yeah, so, I had to I, usher him on. I said, "Come on, yeah, Lee. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, you're yeah. stepping on, you're stepping out of bounds, man. Yeah, you know, get yeah. this stuff going." Yeah, but you know what, Dana is so cool. You know, obviously, you were always this is so well deserved and well earned, you. and you're always so humble. But the uh, I, what I think was really cool about it, I'm so glad you share with us, is that it was an active process. I think that's really cool that you actually took an active process in this and it wasn't just them listening to old clips and them having to go out and do it. You put this together and that says a lot. I mean, that says a lot that you knew about your experience of what you needed to go out and send to them so that you could land the gig. I think that's, yeah. I think that's awesome. That's impressive, man. I didn't well, realize it was you. that active of a process. Yeah. Thank you, man. I, you know, I, I keep a really good relationship with all the producers and directors and people I've worked with and Missouri Valley football conference. Mike Kern is the, uh, is, is my main contact there. He sends me the DVDs of the games I do every single year, and I've been doing those games for 12 or 15 years. Mm. Uh, the Chief stuff was pretty much right on their website, so I just clicked a few links and put that together in an email. So I knew what was out there. I've done just about every sport that I grew up playing, baseball, basketball, and football, so I'm pretty confident in it, and I love the game of football. You know, baseball is my passion. You can see mm -hmm. the jerseys yeah, behind me. Exactly. Baseball is my love, playing college and pro baseball before the Chiefs. But football is, is a passion of mine. And, yeah. and 
we get to see it's not that we're any better as fans or we're any better as viewers, but Joe, you and I, because of the level that we played at, we get to see the game a different way. We, we see all 22 players on the field, and I don't know if you're like me, but run a play through one time, I can pretty much tell you what all 22 did in that play and what were maybe yeah. some of the holes and issues and, and who missed the block, who didn't run a good route, uh, where the quarterback's eyes were, just assessing everything that's happening and possibly what could happen going forward. So we see it in a different lens. It's mm -hmm. not any better. It's just different. And I like to be able to be on a platform that people can hear me dissect the game based on how I see it. And um, it's, it's just fun for me. It's exciting. You can tell I get jazzed up about it. And I have my notes. I have my cards. I have all the information. And then working yeah. with one of the best in the business and Mitch Holpers. I oh, mean, my man. goodness, I, I'm going to have to take – a Red Bull with a five-hour shot just to keep up with him. So uh, it's going to be exciting. And, and doing it after a Super Bowl run, opening the season on a Thursday night against the Houston Texans, being the only game on and hopefully the first live football game of mm -hmm. the season, uh, it's going to be a blast. No, it's going to be awesome, Dan. You mentioned the cards and the and the preparation and the things you have to do to prepare, especially when you know you're doing the color stuff, right? Because, you know, it's it's I think as the play by play, you know, you're kind of seeing things in real time. You're describing what's going on, but man, you got to be extra prepared, right? When you're doing the color commentary and you're trying to provide, like you said, all those insights. Let me tell you a really interesting story. I was. Jeff had mentioned and built before we got on the relationship I had built with Len Dawson and, and working with him at Channel Nine mm -hmm. when I was there and and you know sitting with him a lot on the bus and and when we'd be taking trips and whatnot. I'll never forget seeing him one time with like he had more information. He was like a walking Wikipedia. Right? <laughs> he had boards and papers and notes and like yeah. I'm looking at it and I'm like Len, can I take a look at some of this stuff? He's got like you know. John Alt's favorite hamburger joint. Like he's got like, he's got like where people went to high school. Yeah. You know, how many yards Marcus Allen rushed for in high school, you know, in the high school state championship game. And I said to him, and this is a true story. And I said, Len, I said, how much of that information do you use in like a three hour broadcast? He yeah. goes, eh, he goes like 10% of it. And I said, and I tell the story to people I work with in, in career now, right outside of football. And I said, Len, 10% like doesn't that don't you get frustrated when you don't use the other 90% and it just kind of like gets wasted and really thrown away because the next yeah. game comes on and you got to do it all over again he says no Joe it makes me better at what I do and I'm happy to use 10% of it because when I use the right 10% of that hundred that I prepared he goes I think I really make an impact with the fans and I just it it has stuck with me. Look, I'm still telling the story. Was it yeah. 25 years later about how preparation is the key to life? Absolutely. You go in 100% prepared. You can't be frustrated when you only use 10% of what you did. And you're like, oh, why did I, why didn't I just cut a corner? Yeah. I could have just cut a corner and, and I could have just done 50% or 10%. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it was that lesson in broadcasting has I brought in brought that into insurance 25 yeah. years later and I tell people all the time when they're not prepared I tell it to my daughters right? you just don't you can't cut corners I was so happy to hear you say that and yeah. uh, you're going to be fantastic That's a yeah great man lesson, you, you know? you're dead on and I, I think that kind of goes back to you and I and our 
approach as professional athletes. You were a versatile guy, played all across the offensive line, long snapper, special teams guy, tight end, touchdown guy, and I was a wide receiver, special team guy, and we prided ourselves on at any given moment getting thrown into the fire in any situation at any position. And I think that's kind of what we adopt in our real lives and how we deal with our family, how we raise our kids, and how we're working outside of football. It's just something that's in us. You know, I don't know if it was ingrained in us early. If yeah. coaches, I always said, coaches are the best brainwashers. <laughs> you know, I never played special teams before coming to the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm -hmm. I never caught punts before coming yeah. to the Kansas City Chiefs. And Marty Schottenheimer and Al Saunders and that entire coaching staff, yeah. Jimmy Ray and Paul Hackett and everybody, they made us feel like I can do anything. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of the the aura that was around the Chiefs football program and organization back then. And yeah, I, I, I still quote Marty. I still Absolutely. quote Marty, Dana. The more you sweat in the offseason, the less you bleed during the season. I, right. I tell people that every day. Yep. The more, when I was coaching high school football, I would say when we go into the weight room in January and these high school kids would be like, what am I doing in here? The football season, you know, I still got to get through baseball season yep. or track. Football season's six, seven months away. I said, guys, you win games. You don't win games on Friday night. Yep. You win games in January in the weight room at 6 a.m. before school. That's where you win football games. That's right. It's a victory lap once you get out there on Friday night. Yeah, because all, the, all the physicality and all the extra e efforts and exertion of energy all sharpens up here. It sharpens yeah. your body and makes you strong enough to, to withstand banging against each other for four quarters. But to me, and I've coached baseball, travel baseball, competitive baseball for many years, it's all up here. Because I know going into that game, going into that battle, that you couldn't have outworked me. Yeah. There's not possible that you outworked me. So I already got an upper hand on you. Yeah. And I know that I prepared more. So that means I probably got two upper hands on you. So if you were remotely better than me as an athlete, if you were uh, you know, a guy that talks a lot of trash or whatever, I know that I already got two steps up on you because th those two things you couldn't have outdone me. And whether in baseball as well, I mean, I, you got to be able to step in the batter's box oh, and yeah. know that pitcher is going to throw a baseball at me and I need to beat him. And, yeah. and I need to know I'm confident enough that I'm strong enough. I'm in tune with my body. I've drilled and drilled and drilled to the point where you're not going to throw this past me. If you throw one past me, you better not throw the second one. <laughs> and you better not throw the third one because I'm going to pound it. That's just the mindset. So, yeah. yeah, I get excited about it, and I know what's ingrained in me. And being able to call Chiefs football, uh, being, growing up around this organization is a dream come true. Yeah, oh, the fans are going to love it. They're going to love your preparation. I can't wait to see your, quote, playbook and your cheat <laughs> sheets and your dossiers on the players that you have. And uh, it's going to be fun to listen, Dana. That's, that's awesome, man. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. And, and you mentioned, Dana, you mentioned uh, some baseball. We, we know how good you are at baseball. And uh, for the listeners who can't see, you can actually, Dana's speaking from, he has his two baseball jerseys behind <laughs> him, including his Iowa jersey. Um, you guys both mentioned Len Dawson's preparedness. Yeah. Um, and so cool, Dana, that they've had some other voices of the Chiefs. Kendall Gammon did a great job. Yeah. When you think voice of the Chiefs, you think Len Dawson, who did it so many years, was – 
a legendary player, Hall of Fame player, uh, Super Bowl winning quarterback, yep. and you're stepping into his shoes. First of all, how cool is that? And if you guys could both talk about the relationship you had with Len a little bit. Well, yeah, it, it's very cool. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer on and off the field. And like, like Joe talked about, his preparation, second to none. Uh, you know, he was part of the original crew of Inside the NFL. So, you know, you're talking about stuff that we grew up watching, mm -hmm. scrambling home on Sunday evenings to catch inside the NFL as, as high schoolers and in college. And then coming to Kansas City and meeting him and him not being a guy that's super flashy, not being a guy that shuns young players or anything, just embraces guys and embraces people and just a staple in Kansas City and part of the Chiefs organization. He, guys like Bobby Bell and other Hall of Famers, Jan Stenerud, around Kansas City and embracing us as, as people that are on the same level because we all wore the same jersey. Uh, it's special, a special relationship. I, did, I thought he did an outstanding job as the voice of the Chiefs. And you even go back further than Mitch and he being in the booth, you had Bill Grigsby. Oh, oh I love He was yeah. a gem, an absolute gem, uh, hilarious. Mm -hmm. uh, and and just fun to be around. So we've been spoiled. The Chiefs' kingdom has been spoiled with some phenomenal talent in the booth, and I just want to make sure that I'm stepping up to that challenge and being a part of that history. It, it's something that I'm ready to embrace, uh, but I don't think anybody can do it as well as Len did it. He was truly a gem. Oh, I got to tell you another great Bill Grigsby story, though, real quick, <laughs> real quick. So we're on the bus. We're on the bus. I think we were, I think we were actually going out to play the Raiders and um, we got stuff. Well, you know, Al Davis would always put up traffic jams. He'd yeah. make cars crash, you know, <laughs> whatever, he, he, whatever he needed to do for us to get to the hotel late, he did it. Right. So he, you know, he's crashing cars, doing whatever he needed to do. So Griggs is telling me this time he, when he was doing the radio for, I guess it was the Kansas city A's at the point, right. At that point. Cause they were yeah. before they had made the move out to Oakland or whatnot. So he's doing baseball and, uh, he was, they were in an away game and a friend of his had told him, said, Hey, listen, I'm going to be in the town that you guys are broadcasting from, you know, uh, you know, uh, maybe we'll, we could get dinner because better yet, you can come up to the booth and watch the game with me in the booth. So he has his friend from Kansas city with him in the booth. And this is bad. This is not, you know, we all know Greg's, this was, he was not a technologically set. So this is before all this crazy technology that goes on in broadcasting, right? Yeah. Literally back then, there was a switch on off, like you were on the air or you were off the air. So, so Bill tells me he hides the the switch with his hand, and 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 he he's so he he gets on the, he gets on the radio and he says, "Oh, I've got." And I pardon me for not remembering the gentleman's name, but we'll we'll call him Tim. And yeah. goes, "We've got Tim visiting here from Kansas City, and he made the trip out to watch the A's play." And <laughs> it was Tim. I got to tell you, that was some hot looker you were with last night at the hotel. <laughs> Right. So, so the guy's like, Oh, well, Bill, I was not, I was, I was in my hotel room. I wasn't with anybody last night. He goes, Oh, come on. You're so humble. He goes, I'm telling you that woman that you were with was really good looking and boy, was she young, man. <laughs> and the guy is, Bill's tells me at this point, the guy is cause he's like a happily married guy from <laughs> Kansas city, Midwestern values, the whole nine yards. And he is sweating profusely he's on he thinks he's on air right yeah. now and he's like no bill i wasn't i swear and he's like he starts yelling into the microphone i swear honey i was not with anyone 
And Grigsby pulls his hand away from the switch. He goes, now nah, we were never on actually. Goes, oh, <laughs> so crazy. I just, you know, that was Bill. Yeah. It's just one of my favorite Grig stories. Just shows you the sense of humor he had and, and he was really fun to be around. So yeah, that, oh, yeah. that's uh, Incredible. you bring up that name. I can't, I can't not think of that story. <laughs> Incredible. I mean, you're joining such an awesome fraternity, Dave. Not only you mentioned Grigsby, who I loved, and Len Dawson, Kevin Harlan. I remember growing up with him, and then he became such a uh, big national name. He was a a force. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some big shoes to fill. And, uh, you know, fortunately, we're having good football on the field, a lot of action. So there's going to be a lot of color to, to broaden. And to bring to the listeners, uh, you know, you recognize the difference between radio and television. Doing television for so long, the action is right there. You're just talking about what everybody can see. Mm. Now on the radio, there's a different creativity that's involved in that, where you have to bring the color out to the general people that are driving down the highway uh, or moving between cities and or listening at home. For me personally, I've listened to the broadcast pretty much every game, probably for the last six or eight years. And the reason, even at Arrowhead, I walk around, I got an earpiece in my ear, I got my radio, transistor radio in my pocket, and I listened to the broadcast because it was so special, because Mitch was on point, because guys like Kendall and Len did an outstanding job painting the Mm -hmm. color. And there's a lot of information that it's not a knock against the national broadcast, but there's a lot of information because Mitch is sitting in meetings. There, the, the team is at Arrowhead Stadium in the meetings and around the team a lot that you get little snippets and little information uh, based on your relationships with everybody in the building that you can add to the broadcast. So I think that's, good. that's a different dynamic that I'm not used to that's going to be fun to embrace is to know little subtle side stories that most other people won't know that I can bring and interject into the broadcast. So uh, that's what I'm looking forward to is, you know, the action on the field is going to be the action on the field and Patrick Mahomes is going to do his thing and Frank Clark and Chris Jones and everyone else, but being able to add some extra juice and extra ingredients into it is going to be the fun part. That's so cool. Um, Great way to break that down. There's also, Dana, so much uncertainty this year with just COVID going on. Yeah. Uh, have they talked about or do you have a sense of, one, how they might do away games or even coming up with training camp? Do you, do you have to take several tests before covering the practices? Kind of give listeners a breakdown of what that's like. Yeah, I think uh, what we're going to see and what we've started to see already with some of the adjustments with preseason games or lack of preseason games, uh, all the, the teams, Joe and I used to go up to River Falls for training camp. Uh, the Chiefs came back to the Kansas City area up in St. Joe a few years ago. Now the training camp will be actually at the facility. The rosters will be pared down to 80 players. Now they're talking about even paring it down even more. So there are adjustments. It's kind of a work in progress, a moving animal in regards to how they are going to prepare for the season while at the same time maximizing an opportunity to keep all the players safe uh, in the facility and on the field. So there will likely be restrictions for the media, for myself, for Mitch, in and out of the facility, involved in practice. There's possibly there's been talk about us not traveling on the charter 
with the team, having to go out to, to away game sites uh, on different planes and different ways. So I'm mentally preparing for that adjustment. Uh, it's going to be different, but I don't know any better. So it's going to be more, more of a change for those other guys than it is for me, uh, so to speak. So I'm recognizing the importance of having football on the field, having players being as safe as possible, and having players in a position where they're not going to be thrown in harm's way. And if I am living at home with my wife, with kids, my kids that come back from college, and the organization or the NFL on a big picture believes that that's something, that's a dynamic that they don't want to be immediately that first line of defense around the players, I get it. And I'll have to make adjustments accordingly. But being in that booth at 12 noon, or we should say 7 p.m. for that Thursday night, September 10th game, and the ring ceremony, and uh, you know, being able to be a part of a glimpse back in one of the greatest times in Kansas City history and what happened in Miami, and me being a part of that, and the emotional roller coaster that was involved in watching this Chiefs team win a Super Bowl, uh, knowing that we dropped the ball so many times and couldn't bring it to the Chiefs kingdom and to the fans, and I'll be in the booth to be a part of that, is it's giving me chills right now. It's going to be an emotional game for me just thinking about that, never mind having to call the action mm -hmm. for a few hours that evening also. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I hope for some normalcy, but I'm preparing for the worst and hoping for the best, and we'll see how it all unfolds. That's a great way to look at it, Dane. And that's just how, how I would expect you to approach it. Selfless, <laughs> selfless, thinking about the players, thinking about how you're going to be best at what you can do, given the situation, what you can control. Yep. Uh, that's just, that's Dane and you's right there. And that's why you're going to be so good at this. I can't Thank wait. You. I'm excited, man. Joe, before we wrap up, do you have one good Dane and Hughes story where you could share with our listeners from, uh, from his playing days? I, you know, I, I know that we talked a lot about Danon's baseball escapades and we talked about his uncanny ability to hit home runs amongst a bunch of other NFL players. But, you know, I, I think, I think when I, when I think about Danon and I think about all the things, um, you know, we're East coast guys, hard work, you know, putting it in, not that everybody in the NFL doesn't put in the hard work, yeah. but Danon, Danon was one of those guys that was inspiring because of that, because of his, his preparation, uh, his mental focus on the game. And, and, and like he said, we were both, we were do whatever it took to get on the field guys and be prepared, you know, whenever you were, we, we both yeah. weren't the fastest. We both weren't, you know, the speediest, um, you know, Dana mentioned about, you know, us dropping the ball. I, I was going to say, I don't know, Dan, I was four for four. So I yeah, never really, right. I never really knew what it was like to drop a ball, <laughs> but you know, I uh, kid, right. I was only 193 behind Jerry Rice. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Dana, Dana is just one of those people that is um, he's he's an inspiring teammate and that and that every roster needs to have on it. And look, we both weren't all pro. We both weren't everyday starters. But Dana Hughes is the player on your roster that makes the world go round. And right. and and he's the guy that's inspiring to he puts in all the work so that when the coach says when Coach Saunders would say, Dana, get in there. Danon was never the guy that looked behind him and went, who, who me? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, even man. though we weren't everyday players and, 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 and starters and all that stuff, Danon was never the guy that turned and looked behind himself and said, who me? 
he's the guy that jumped in, jumped right over the white line, ran out on the field and did whatever the coaches asked him to do. And, and I think that's why, like I keep saying, he's going to be so darn good at this because of that perspective that you're going to bring to this. And, uh, you, know. And you know what, man, I'll, I'll say this. The game was personal to me. You know, I, nowadays, sometimes, you know, I watch it and I can get a little frustrated because there's a lot of camaraderie with other teams and, and you know, friendships. You know, to me, my friendships remained in my locker room. <laughs> Everybody else was against my team. They were trying to steal our joy. They were trying to hurt my brothers. They, it was personal to me that um, I, I, we bleed, we sweat, we cry for our 52 guys in our locker room. And that's kind of how I approach the game. And, you know, it was really personal to me. And I always tell kids now, things don't get real until they get personal. That's in life. So true. They don't get real until they get personal. And every single game, Arrowhead or on the road, it was really personal to me. Like, I got to do this. I got to prepare. I got to be ready. I got to run down full speed and basically get darn near knocked out and running into a wedge on kickoff coverage because my brothers need me to do that. My brothers in the locker room who are also sweating, who are also hurting, they're doing it for me. That's what makes it a special experience. That's what makes it uh, great memories. You know, the wins and losses, you know, they come and go. But the relationships that are extended for, gosh, two, three decades now are are what I value. And uh, I know I can look in the mirror and say, you know what? I got some aches and pains, bumps and bruises, but I did it for my brothers. And whatever happens after that, I'll live with it. So, that's, that's why we have this bond. That's why we yeah. still have the Chiefs ambassadors here in Kansas City mm-hmm. doing great job, charity work, raising money, uh, being aware in the community, reaching out to kids, impacting lives because we impacted each other's lives. So mm-hmm. that's the cool part of uh, football in general, I think probably in sports in general. That's awesome, Dane. And then, you know, Jeff and I were talking, we, we got to get Dane in on, celebrate this big news and congratulate him. And, you know, because next time we try to direct message him through Facebook or, or Twitter or something, we're probably going to get screened by his agent. So we better get it in now for us. Call my people, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> right awesome, now he's Dana. popping Thank his so Chiefs much. shirt. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, Dane, congratulations. And we look forward to listening to you uh, broadcasting the – Chiefs games is the new voice of Chiefs. So excited. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. And if you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.